Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, what we talking about today? Well, the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will in fact judge everyone's secret life. Yes, beloved, listen. As the Holy Spirit keeps alerting me to let God's people know that the day of Christ's return is fastly approaching and it will not delay. So those of us who have sincerely repented of sin We know we have a good shepherd, Christ Jesus. He tells us over here in the book of John chapter 10 that he is in fact the good shepherd. And not only that, but that he is the door for the sheep leading to eternal life. So we follow Christ Jesus. We listen to him. We know his voice and we recognize his call. We will never follow a stranger, but we will run away from him because we do not know the voice of strangers. Amen. And then down in verse 11 of John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. And then he tells us in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know without any doubt those who are mine. He says, without any doubt, those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep 
personal relationship with me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my very own life sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. Amen. And then he says in verse 16, I have other sheep besides these that that are not of this fold. I must bring those also talking about us Gentiles and they that's us will listen to my voice and okay because this is crucial and pay attention to my call and they will become one flock with one shepherd so for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my own life so that I may take it back. And then he goes on to say that how no one takes it away from him, but that he lays it down voluntarily. He has been authorized and have the power to lay it down and to and to give it up. He is authorized and have power to take it back. And so if we want to know who are in fact Jesus true sheep, well, he tells us down in verse 26, but you do not believe me. So you do not trust and follow me. So you do not, I got I have to repeat it. You do not trust and follow me. Why? Because you are not my sheep. Verse 27, the sheep that are my own. Guess what? Hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Amen. And so, beloved, we have ourselves a good shepherd. He is gracious, merciful, loving kindness, and compassionate. And the father sent the world a savior. Yes, our father is gracious and merciful and loving kindness and compassion. But guess what? The world at large hates the savior and thus refuses to repent and they will perish. We must be born again. Jesus says, in order to inherit and share in the kingdom of God. Beloved, I can't stress it enough on this podcast. The day is coming when holy God 
through Christ Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. That is why we must repent today and come to Christ Jesus before it is too late. And not only that, but we must share this news with the world. So, let us come over here to John 3. Because John chapter 3 is all about the new birth. Because a conversation took place that awakens the world. But if the world rejects the Savior... Well, they condemned themselves. Listen, there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler, a member of the Sanhedrin among the Jews, who came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. We know without any doubt that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, these wonders, these attesting miracles that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus in verse 3 answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless, unless, a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. He, that person, unless he is born again, cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. Amen. So Christ Jesus has made it crystal clear that unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified. Well, guess what? That person cannot ever see nor share and experience the kingdom of God. So. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, now he's telling him again, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot ever ever enter the kingdom of God that listen and so Jesus is breaking it down even further in verse 6 of John 3 that which is born of the flesh is flesh the physical is merely physical and that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not be surprised that I have told you, you must be born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it is coming from and where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Amen. So Jesus 
was giving Nicodemus this analogy that how although we hear the wind, but we we can't see it. We don't know where it's coming from, but we see the outcome of when when it blows it blows the trees we see them moving it blows trash we see trash rolling down the street we see leaves we don't see the wind but we see the results of the wind likewise we don't see holy spirit but we see the results of his work when a person is born again. They are transformed, renewed, born again. So we see the results of the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus just couldn't get it because in verse 9, he said to Jesus, how can these things be possible? And Jesus and Jesus replied, you are the great and well-known teacher of Israel. And yet you do not know nor understand these things from scripture. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, we speak only of what we absolutely know and testify about what we have actually seen as eyewitnesses and still you reject our evidence and do not accept our testimony. And Jesus went on to say, look, if I told you earthly things, that is things that happen right here on earth and you do not believe, how will you believe and trust me if I tell you heavenly things? No, listen, no one has gone up into heaven, but there is one who came down from heaven, the son of man himself, whose home is in heaven. Amen. And then if we come down to verse 16, everyone loves and knows John three sixteen. This is the preaching of the gospel for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son. Uh-huh. So that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the full counsel of the Lord is that yes he is love and he demonstrated his divine attribute to humanity by not wiping us off the face of this flat earth just just do away with us but he gave humanity an opportunity to be born again because he tells us whoever and he means whoever believes and trusts in Jesus as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. And for the most part, what was humanity's response to the Savior? 
Well, we know what the response was. They nailed Jesus to the cross. But let us not get it twisted. He told us over there in John 10 that he has the power and the authority to to lay down his life. And he has the power and authority to take it up. No one takes his life from him. He willingly offered up himself as a sin offering to appease Holy God's wrath towards humanity because God's justice demands payment for sin. Humanity could not have paid this sin debt by their own merits. Only a perfect sinless lamb would be sufficed. So here we are. Verse 17. For God did not send the son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment of the world. Because beloved, we know final judgment is coming when Christ returns. But when he came the first time, he came for salvation. So... God did not send the son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal savior and Lord is not judged for this one. Mm -hmm. There is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation, but the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal savior and Lord is judged already. That one, that one who, who rejected Jesus and what he has done for humanity. Well, that one has been convicted and sentenced because he, okay, he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten son of God, the one who is truly unique. The only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. Amen. And, and what makes Jesus such one of a kind? The one who is truly unique. The only one of his kind. Because he's the only man ever born to a virgin. He's the first to be born of the Spirit of God. Jesus was conceived by Holy Spirit. No one was ever born of a virgin. Our parents may have been virgins, but they had sex and had a baby. Christ is the only one born as a human, born in that way. That's what makes him the only begotten son of God. So 
Here we are, verse 19. Well, this is the judgment. What judgment? For the one who rejects, who has made a conscious decision to reject Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. Well, this is the judgment. That is the cause for indictment. The test by which people are judged. The basis for the sentence is this. The light, capital L, has come into the world and people loved the, excuse me, the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. This is why people hate Jesus. Is because when he shows up, he exposes sin and people love sin more than they love Jesus and thus they reject him without cause, by the way, for every wrongdoer hates the light. Mm-hmm. The Bible is telling us that sinners hate Jesus and does not come to the light, but shrinks from it for fear that his sinful, worthless activities will be exposed and condemned. Verse 21, but whoever practices truth and does what is right morally ethically, spiritually comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are accomplished in God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in dependence on him. Amen. So as we, as we are laying down this groundwork, because Thank you, Holy Spirit, on the day of judgment. Jesus, the King, will be completely justified in his judgment. When he says you will be thrown into the lake of fire, it will be justified. It will be justified because as he walked this earth as a man, and as he's and as he's and as he commissioned his disciples, that includes us today to go out and preach, preach what repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Salvation comes through repentance uh, unless a man or woman changes the way they think about sin and how they are living in sin unless a person change the direction in which they are heading and no longer mocking God, not taking him serious, now fully understands that he ain't playing with that lake of fire. Then they can partake of the free gift of salvation. It's free. By God's grace, when we place our faith in Jesus, then we can receive this gift that nothing we could have done or earned to obtain it. 
It's by God's grace alone. But unless you repent, you cannot partake of this awesome, undeserving gift called salvation. So all who wants to be hypocrites claiming the name they all claim they they know God but these are they that don't obey God so say Jesus in Matthew 15 8 only with their mouths their their lips do they honor him but their hearts are very far away from him. Listen, beloved, the call from heaven is to repent. Let us come over here to Luke 13. Mm -hmm. Because we're also going to be looking at Romans chapters, chapters 2 and 3. Because come to find out, Salvation is not really complicated to understand. Once you wrap your brains around the fact that God hates sin, payment for sin had to be made, Christ Jesus fulfilled and paid that payment in full with his life, taking on the penalty for our wrongdoings, he made atonement for our sins. Christ lived. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. Christ Jesus is still alive, sitting at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, praying for us, interceding on our behalf because we have an enemy an accuser of the brethren Satan who goes before the father day and night accusing us but we have an advocate that says she's mine he's mine and this is why we stick close to Jesus. Listen, Jesus made atonement for our sins, reconciling us back to the Father. Had it not been for Jesus Christ, we will all be on our way straight to a burning hell as we await final judgment. We, we are talking about tormenting in hell and then to be resurrected out of hell to stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment as an unrepented, in some cases, a hypocritical believer and outright sinner to be told our names are not found in this book of life. And we will be thrown into the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone for all of eternity. This is why we go hard for the gospel. Beloved, men and women, young adults, teenagers are dying in their sins and going straight to hell. This is why. We go hard as we do. And 
We take no prisoners. We don't apologize for the boldness. We don't apologize for the work that the Lord called us to do. This is serious business. Saying that you are a believer in Christ is not about the pagan Christmas or the pagan Easter that these self-professing Christians claim that Jesus is their Lord and yet they practice paganism and idolatry as if it is okay with God because the word Christian is slapped on it and they are too lazy and too rebellious to understand that God does not want us to worship false gods. Well, well, I don't believe that Christmas is pagan. It does not make you practicing it okay with God. You better understand what he likes and what he hates. And he hates idolatry. So, Luke 13. Call to repent. Starting in verse 1. At that time, some people came who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate, the governor, had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus replied to them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they have suffered in this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent... Change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives. Beloved, that's repentance. That's the biblical definition of repent. It is to change your old way of thinking. Turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives. Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish just like those Galileans. Amen. So verse four, or do you assume that those 18 on whom the tower and Solomon fell and killed were worse sinners than all the others who, who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, here we go. But unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. Amen. And then he gives us the parable of the fig tree. Because again, this is all about if you don't obey, if you don't repent, you're going to burn. So, verse 6, then he began telling them this parable. A certain man, right, had a fig tree that had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the, to the vineyard keeper, for three years, I have come looking for fruit. On this fig tree and have found none cut it down 
Why does it even use up the ground, depleting the soil and blocking the sunlight? But he replied to him, okay, this is grace. Let it alone, sir. Just just one more year until I dig around it and and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit after this, fine. But if not, cut it down. Amen. So listen, this is so wonderful about grace and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit trims us, dig around in us, put in fertilizer. Why? To get us trained in righteousness so that going forward, we could be that fig tree bearing good fruits of righteousness, fruits of the spirit. Because if not, because a day is coming when when this certain man who had a fig tree, he's coming again. Now, when he comes He ain't looking to be planting any more fig trees trying to save them. That's already been done. When he comes back, he's looking to cut down some unfruitful, unrepented trees, rebellious trees, disobedient trees who refuse even when the Holy Spirit is trying to sanctify you, train you in righteousness and holiness, and you keep on grieving him, you're going to be surprised when the man returns and he sees nothing has improved. You are still rebellious. You refuse to grow. You ain't bearing no fruits of righteousness. Well, The Holy Spirit is in agreement with the Savior. Cut it down. Cut it down. So, beloved, that's why this is so not the hour to be walking in willful sin, being disobedient to the one who saved us. And that is why I was prompted by Holy Spirit to title today's episode that the day is coming when God through Christ Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. Yes, beloved, you may think you are getting away with your sin, pretending to be a sheep. When all the while you are really a wolf in sheep's clothing, you are a false brethren, a false convert. You may even be deceived to think that you are a Christian. Well, how are you living? Are you living carnally? Are you still worldly? Are you still attached to this world? Or are you completely devoted to? To Jesus Christ. And thank you Holy Spirit. To be devoted to Jesus Christ. Is to obey Jesus Christ. In every aspect 
of your life. Are you obeying Jesus? Because many believe in Jesus, but no one is obeying and following Jesus. Oh, it sounds real spiritual and deep to say that, yes, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Yes, I am born again. Can't you tell by my by my Facebook page? I post every day that Jesus is Lord and that we must repent. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see Christ sees all of this honoring of the mouths. He see a whole lot of lip service, but he says the heart of which he knows we, we truly don't know what's in a person's heart. We can guess, we can surmise, but only Jesus knows the heart of a man and what's in it. And he gives us some clues about what's in the heart. Study Matthew, no, Mark 7, verse, starting at verse 20. He, he shows us over here in Jeremiah 17, right? How the heart is deceitful above all things. What? Yes, above all things. And not only that, it is desperately wicked. So, back over here. We cannot, we cannot continue to give the Lord lip service and, and expect to inherit his kingdom. No. And so I was reading through Romans chapter two, because there's a lot of hypocrisy across the board in the body. We, we see it in church leadership and we see it down in the pews. We cannot be on social media, whatever, at church, on your job, at home, pointing out people's sin when you got a whole plank, a downright forest in your own eye, but yet you want to point out someone else's sin. And then as far as church leadership, these are they who want us, well, not me any longer, and I pray not not you either, who wants to adhere, who wants us to adhere to their traditions and commandments as if it is doctrine, teaching them as doctrine, where we follow the bishop rather than the Christ. We follow the bishop's teachings and false doctrines as if this is commandments from God and it is not. They teach that you can live however you want to live as long as you believe, as long as you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you can be saved. Well, first of all, Romans 10 is not a two-step process to salvation. Paul Real quick, in Romans 9, he was lamenting to his fellow Jewish brothers about how they rejected Christ Jesus and that and that if they would and then 
all of chapter nine, and then he swings over to chapter ten, and he and from the bitterness in his heart, wanting them to get it because they missed it. That if they would confess with their mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts, they can be saved. But unless you believe, leave that for yourself, because listen, it's true. Once you do believe that you can say Jesus is Lord, but they can't say that because that veil is covering the nation. God has hardened them because they rejected the Messiah. So you have pastors and prophets and bishops and teachers teaching that just just cherry picking and and isolating that text as if this is the as they say the 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 Romans road to salvation no it's not Jesus already told us how to not perish repent he did not say make this statement Believe in your heart that I'm Lord and you will be saved. He says, but unless you repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your wicked ways and live change lives. Other than that, you're going to perish. So I'm over here in Romans 2 and This is such a a great study. Listen, okay, because Romans 2 opens up talking about God's judgment of sin because Paul was laying out in chapter 1 about, oh, it's a mess because God will turn you over to your madness to your lust, to your sin, because you refuse to acknowledge him as God. You suppress that truth. But Paul was saying that we don't have an excuse about claiming how we don't know God. It's in nature. The sun, the moon, and the stars testify every day to God's existence. And but people want their sin more did we not just read over there in John 3 about how when Christ shows up he exposes sin for what it is it is wicked and the wages of it is death eternal separation from God the second death Revelation 2015 calls that lake of fire the second death And so he was laying out all what the wicked do, all what they are involved in. And then, and then he, and he opens up with chapter two, because we can point the finger at sinners and backsliding Christians pointing out all their sins. Really? Well, here we go. Chapter two. For me, Paul is like, Don't get this twisted, though. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked 
and and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others, do these very same things. See, don't this sound like Jesus when, where is it? Don't make me go for it. But remember how he was saying about not judging? I see the scripture in my head. I got to go pull it up. But he was saying, first get the plank out of your eye. Matthew 7, 24. Y'all look that up for me. Okay. I know it was in Matthew 7. I'm not sure if it's verse 24, but I know it's Matthew 7. But anywho, Jesus was saying, get the plank out of your eye before you go for your brother's speck. And this is what Paul is saying over here. Look, verse 2. And we know that that God in his justice will punish anyone. Mm-hmm. Anyone who does such things, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do, when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that? His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. But because you are stubborn, uh uh-oh, here we go. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. Beloved, if we don't repent... If we don't stop sinning, we continue to store up God's wrath. Uh Uh-huh. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, a day of anger is coming when, when when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone. Listen, verse 6, where we at Romans 2. Verse 6, now listen, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. Amen. Right, Holy Spirit, Rome, no, Revelation 20, where we at? Uh-huh, verse 12. Listen, okay, this, this, this is backing up each other. Listen, Revelation 20, verse 12 John was saying how, because he was exiled to the to the Isle of Patmos for the uh, testimony of Jesus and preaching of the gospel. Well, they quickly shipped him off. So listen, in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Amen. And then, if we come down to verse 13, At the tail end of verse 13 says, And they were judged, every man according to their works. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 17, uh, verse 10. 
Jesus says that he will give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Yes, and he also tells us in Revelation that when he returns, he will have his reward with him. And he will give to every man according to their deeds. Second Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9, in flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Amen. Look, Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Amen. So, beloved, listen. Mm. I am not being dramatic. When I tell you that God will judge every last single person according to their works, whether it be good or bad. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. And nothing we do is done in secret. <laughs> These books. But see, when true believers stand before Jesus, it won't be at this judgment. It would be at the judgment seat of Christ, a.k.a. the Bema seat, to receive rewards for what we have done as born-again followers of Jesus for the kingdom. Those works will be tried by fire, and some of those works will come out as gold and precious stones, and some will come out as wood, hay, and stubble. Mm-hmm. Paul, Paul was like, Although we, we are not standing before him to give an account for our sins, but depending on what we have truly done for, for the Lord, some will lose rewards, but the person will be saved, but by the skin of their teeth. Yes. So back over here to Romans 2, right? For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and, in, and immortality that God offers. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't that sounds like when Jesus tells us over there in Matthew 7 to strive to enter the straight gate. Because he was saying that that narrow road is, is hard. It is hard to get into the kingdom because people love sin so much that that wide gate, that broad way, Many are on that path. So over here in Romans 2 verse 7, the Lord is saying that he will give eternal life to those only 
apparently to those who keep on doing good. That tells me who's living a consistent, honorable, upright life in the Lord as the Holy Spirit prompts and guides and teach us how to be holy. Jesus says to strive to live that way because many will not be making it into heaven. Not many. He said few will find that road that leads to eternal life. You want to know why? On that road, it is self-sacrifice. It is all about denying yourselves and picking up that cross. And many people, although they claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't truly want to pick up that cross, deny themselves and follow Jesus. Because think about it. If you if you personally don't think that celebrating a pagan Christmas, that if you believe that, well, I believe that it's not paganism. But if I'm seeing the brethren constantly exhorting how it is paganism and they and they are providing the historical historical research and evidence how pagan Rome and the Catholic Church married one another and pagan Rome brought its is paganistic rituals and celebrations and festivals into the church. And because the church, the false church was all about money and appeasing the Romans. Well, all they had to do was to slap the word Christian on it and they got married. And then this is where we get Lent, Easter, Christmas and all the other madness that goes on with the Roman Catholic pagan church. So back over here before I totally lose my train of thought. Listen, if we are not seeking to do good and seeking after the glory and honor and, and immortality that God offers he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves see this is not just trying to stop your fun but right I was saying that if you if you truly don't believe okay for instance that Easter it isn't pagan it's truly not and Christmas that's not paganism but if you see your brethren constantly exhorting and providing concrete historical evidence that it is in fact paganism idolatry and we know from the word of God that the Lord hates idolatry why would you even want to participate in it we must not even give the appearance that we are in some form of sin so you mean tell me just because you don't feel nothing is wrong with it and this is one of your treasured memories and and celebrations because 
it reminds you of childhood when things were good and grandma was still alive and granddaddy was still alive and your parents were alive and your brothers and your sisters, y'all just had fun and family and dinner and gifts. It was one big warm, for you, healthy, feel good. But if the if the watchman on the wall is saying, do not participate, thus says the Lord, we shall not bow down to false gods nor serve them. Instead of you saying, you know what? Personally, I don't think it's paganism, but you know what? I'm not even trying to get on the wrong side of the Lord. I'd rather be safe than sorry. You know what? I'm going to deny my own ambitions, my my own traditions of the world, because that's what it truly is. Christmas is of the world, beloved. It is it is it is something that we followers of Jesus should not even think about participating in because that is not his birthday. Nowhere in scripture does it tells us to honor the birth of Jesus. If for nothing, he told us what to put in remembrance of him, his shed blood and what he did for us at the cross. Yes, it was absolutely a blessed event that God stepped into this world and walked among the people as a man to save them from their sins. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's if I can get it out. It's a good reason why the Lord didn't tell us exactly the day he was born. You want to know why? Because people would idolize, would, would idolize that day. No, we wouldn't. Yes, you would. Because if you think that December 25th is his birthday and y'all go all out to celebrate that day, imagine, imagine. If we truly knew his, his day of birth, idolatry would be through the roof and people would idolize that day more than the one who was actually born on that day. Listen, it, we would never understand fully the ways and the thoughts of God. He, he knows what's best for us. So, back over here to Romans 2, right? Where we at? Verse 8. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good. For the Jew first and also for the Gentile. God does not show favoritism. Not at all. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. Uh-huh. See? So, and the Jews 
who do have God's law will be judged by that law when they fail to obey it. For, listen, for merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law. I keep telling y'all, beloved, the law, the the six, the, the, hmm, the 613 laws of Moses, that old covenant that God, that Jesus gave to Moses on the Mount of Sinai was given to exclusively only to the children of Israel. The other nations, which are called Gentiles, did not have the law. Therefore, we have never been commanded to keep any parts of the law. So for anyone in the 21st century that teaches we must adhere to the law is a false teaching and a downright liar, an agent of Satan's. We are now under grace. Now that Christ has gone to the cross, both Jew and Gentile, when we repent, we can come to Christ and have our sins forgiven through his shed blood. No longer are we to keep any written code of law. He says that he wrote his law on our hearts. It is no longer on tablets of stone, beloved. And Jesus gave us the law, his law, that to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And on, he said, on these two commandments, hang all the law, all the prophets now hang on those two laws. So when we are following Christ's laws, well, we are keeping by faith the law. Yes, beloved, listen, we we must study. So where are we at? Verse 14, Romans 2, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it. Even without having heard it, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God through Christ Jesus will judge everyone's secret life. Amen. Beloved, don't that remind you of Acts 17 verses 30 to 31. Listen, in times past, God winked at man's ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. Why? For the day, for he has set a day in which he will judge the inhabited world in righteousness by a man whom he has destined for that task. 
And the credible proof is that he raised him from the dead. Amen. So scripture is unanimous that God through Christ Jesus will judge this world. And God the father has appointed Christ Jesus the son to be that judge. And rightly so. He's the only one qualified to judge the inhabited world in righteousness. And the proof of it all, who this judge will be, is that he raised Jesus from the dead. Three days later, Christ died and he rose again. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, waiting to make his enemies his footstool. Yes, beloved. So, now we want to talk about hypocrisy okay and Paul over here because the title of verse 17 is the Jews and the law okay you who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law and you boast about your special relationship with him you know what he wants you know what is right because you have been taught his law Mm -hmm. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. Mm -hmm. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. Mm -hmm. You are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Mm -hmm. Well, then. If you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? Amen. And here we go with this hypocrisy among church leaders. They claim Jesus sent them to shepherd over his flock to, to teach them the ways of God. And yet they don't even obey Jesus themselves. Beloved, please study Second Peter chapter 2 about these false prophets and teachers. Listen, Peter was saying that they claim, okay, they claim that they can set you free, but they themselves are slaves to sin. They are clouds without rain. A disgrace, a stain among you. They commit adultery with their eyes. Listen, these are apostates. They were on the right road, but they got off the right road to follow in the footsteps of Balaam, who loved to earn money by doing what was evil. Filthy lucre. Mm -hmm. And so here we are, Paul. Romans 2, 21. Well, well, then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal. But do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery. But you but but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry. But do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish, 
the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only, only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but they don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew, verse 28, just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Now, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And a true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Amen. And this leads us right into verse, I mean, into Romans chapter three, because beloved, listen, number one, Christ is coming back. Number two, when he returns, he's going to have his reward with him and and unless a person repents, they're going to perish. You must be born again in order to enter God's kingdom. No unrepented, unsaved, unregenerated sinner will ever experience nor share in his kingdom. We must be born again. And, and when we are born again, Jesus told us the pattern over there in John 8, 11. Now that we are no longer condemned facing God's wrath, go, comma, and sin no more. We now live changed lives, not by our will, because if you leave it up to us, because we see the madness, we will fall back into sin. That is why he sent us Holy Spirit to, to help us to be our comforter. He says it's good for him to go away so that Holy Spirit can come and Holy Spirit will be in everyone. Those who are born again simultaneously, whereas when Jesus walked the earth as a man, he can own in his humanity. He can only be in one place at one time. So it was good that he goes goes back to heaven so that Holy Spirit can come <clears throat> and he can and he can supernaturally indwell every single believer wherever they are on the face of this earth. So he is our our paracletus. He walks alongside of us as we walk out this born again life. We need Holy Spirit. Yes. He sanctifies us. He consecrates us, separating us from the world unto holy God, keeping the focus on Jesus and eternity. Holy Spirit will always, 
will always highlight Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of every born again believer. He and him alone sits on the thrones of our hearts. We follow him, not man, not the pastor, not the bishop, not your own will and way, but his will and his way. Amen. He has all the say and he has the final say. Yes. So Romans three, listen, Romans three is telling us, right? Because after we just got through with Romans chapter two, it started off by exhorting us. We can't be hypocrites. We, we can't be pointing out someone else's sin and we doing the, the exact same thing. And then he also was teaching us about the law that how those Jews who were given the law, the law, these Pharisees and leaders and scribes, they were teaching the law, but they were not obeying the law, um, the, the, the law. They only were making a confession for God, but they were not obeying. They were teaching the people their traditions and their commandments as if it is doctrine. Jesus says, in fact, making the word of God of, of none effect because people were following their traditions. They, they couldn't keep the law, nor could they keep those extra commandments coming from the Sanhedrin and, and the Pharisees where they weren't even keeping their own laws. They weren't keeping their laws. They were not keeping the laws of God. They were hypocrites. And so we found out that both Jew and Gentile can get the business that if we break his laws, if we don't live right, if we don't turn from our wicked, evil ways, all of us, because God plays no favorite favorites, Jew and Gentile can get the same business. Amen. And then we, and then Paul brings us to chapter three, because chapter three tells us that all people are sinners. That is why we must be born again from the spirit of God. So let's tap into Romans three. So because at the end of the day, God remains faithful. Oh, yes, he does. So Romans chapter three opens up with a question coming from out of Romans two. So Paul was like, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. Amen. Told you. The Jews had the law. They had the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Listen, 
Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right at what you say and you will win your case in court. But some say, no, but some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose. Really? For it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? In the brackets, it says, this is merely a human point of view. Exactly. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But some might still argue. How can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? Mm -mm -mm. And some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who look, Paul, Paul says those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Amen. So <laughs> we see some people are like, listen, we shouldn't be faulted by God because we are willfully sinning because by by willfully sinning, aren't we not demonstrating just how much God's grace is amazing? If you don't go and sit down somewhere, listen, Paul says those who say such things deserve to be condemned. <laughs> sit down how about this repent and stop sinning how about that so verse 9 all people are sinners well then okay should we conclude that we Jews are better than others nope not at all for we have already shown yes you did Paul that all people whether Jews or, or Gentiles are under the power of sin, as the scriptures say. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not, not a single one. Their talk is Foul, like the stench from an open grave. Mm -mm -mm. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. You want to know why? They have no fear of God at all. Amen. Verse 19, where we at? Romans 3. Obviously, the law applies to those whom the law applies to those to whom it was given. And we know it was given to Israel, right? Well, the law applies to them and those who choose to live under the law. Okay, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. 
and to show that the entire world is is guilty before God. Amen. That's because no one was able to fulfill the law. Only Christ Jesus. Listen, the the law pointed out sin. It told us what sin is and what what chapter? Can't put my hands on it. I want to say this chapter, but don't quote me. But Paul talks about, and I believe it is in Romans, that how the the law aroused sin. Sin took this as an opportunity to get the party started because now the law was given. And when when man can't keep the law, well, they fall into sin. So sin was having a great big old party. So listen, where we at? Mm-hmm. So the law kept people from having excuses. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. So, oh, here we are. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Amen. Yeah, I knew it was in this this chapter. But look, the good news. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Listen to this. This is the good news. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Amen. For everyone has sinned. That's the bad news. Yes, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, yet God in his grace freely It makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Yes, God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People, people are made right with God. When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life. Shedding his blood. Do you believe that? Listen, this sacrifice right here shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Why? Because the Bible talks about God's forbearance. Forbearance is purposefully, mercifully, Restraining oneself from releasing the beast, I call it. Releasing their wrath. They chose not to. They chose to restrain themselves. They could, 
but because of their mercy and grace, they're giving you another day to live, so to speak. And so this sacrifice of Jesus shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past for he was looking ahead and including them and in what he would do in this present time. Do what? Grace. Sending the world a savior, beloved. Yes. So he did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Amen. So Paul is like in verse seven, what's this Romans three? Look, uh, verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because listen, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Amen. See, after all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of course he is. There is only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith. Whether they are Jews or Gentiles, well then, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can't forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Amen. And that closes out chapter 3. So, beloved, what have we learned today? Well, we learned a lot that we can we can just sum it all up. <laughs> I'm telling you, these hour and a half podcasts is for our edification. But truth be told, I keep telling y'all, the Lord only gave me but one message and the Holy Spirit expounds on it, breaks it down, pull it apart so that we can comprehend, comprehend the simplicity of Jesus word. His, his primary message is what? Repent. Unless you repent, you too shall all likewise perish like those Galileans, like those whom that tower over there in Jerusalem and Siloam fell on those 18 people and they perished. So Jesus is like, yeah, but unless you repent. And what is repent? It is to change your old way of thinking about sin. No longer is it the big time fun. No longer do you take God for granted and what he has done for the world by sending Jesus. And going forward, we live changed lives, lives of obedience, following Jesus, denying ourselves, 
picking up that cross and obeying, listening to his voice, following his instructions, and we got help to do it. And his name is Holy Spirit. Yes, because there is a future waiting for us in eternity if we don't give up on Jesus. Something so magnificent that the Bible says that you can't even comprehend. The mind cannot even imagine. Our eyes have never beheld what we will be looking at in the future. Things, thank you, Holy Spirit, things we will we will hear then. We we can't even imagine what that sounds like today. Probably if we were to hear those things today, we would probably just die on the spot. It is so holy and so righteous and so true. Yes, we are born again, but we are still in these flesh bodies. That's why either when we die or Christ returns, these lowly bodies will be transformed in an instant. Glorified. Bodies ready to be able to stand before holy God without perishing on the sight, without falling down, fainting as if dead. Mm-mm. There's much to look forward to. So it's to our advantage to Stay out of willful, blatant sin. Follow Jesus. Come out from amongst this world. Forget about the politics. Forget about the science. Forget about the medical. Forget about entertainment. Because it's worldly, demonic, and satanic. Leave it alone. Come to Christ. Live wholesome, quiet lives in the Lord. He will give you much to do. The harvest is great. It's the laborers that are few. Jesus needs us to help him in the recovery mission of the lost and to wake up the sleeping brethren. Some have fallen away. Some are apostate. Some were were never counted among us in the first place. And these are stumbling blocks with all of this, all of these destructive heresies and false doctrines, seducing spirits, teaching doctrines of demons. We got to stay awake and stick close to Jesus that's what it means to abide in Jesus, sticking close, surrendering your complete selves unto him. Forget about your, your personal, ambi selfish, ambitious dreams. Uh, it's like people are taking their God-given talents and giving it to the world only to be chewed up and spat out by the world. And then you just lose all hope and faith in God. And then you end up dying. Some commit suicide. Some become drunkards, addicts, whoremongers, adulterers, murders, murderers, 
liars, thieves, covetous, only to die in their sins and perish. So, let us look at Revelation 21 because <clears throat> Revelation 21 tells us who will be saved. And it gives us a glimpse into the new heaven and the new earth. So in closing, here we go. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, vanished. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. Beloved, this is Revelation 21. Verse 3. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Amen. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death, there will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said to John, write for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end <clears throat> to the one who thirsts. I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. Listen to verse 7. Verse 7, beloved, tells us exactly who will be saved. Listen, we are not safe yet until the end of our lives and we stand before Jesus or he returns before them. So in the meantime, in between time, we live holy. We live consecrated lives, righteous lives, both in private and and in public. And then when we stand before Jesus, we shall inherit eternal life. We can actually experience eternal life now by knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. So this faith that we have, it is hope of the things we can't hold on to just yet, but we believe it. We believe Jesus when he says that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And we believe that if we endure until the end, remaining, abiding in him, trusting in him, relying on him, we shall be saved. That's our hope. Blessed is that hope. So, verse 7 of Revelation 20, uh, 21. Yes, Jesus says, He 
who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ. What does the word adhering mean? Because we got to understand what's at stake. Adhering, okay? Because apparently this is a condition, if you will. Listen, adhering means to stick fast to a surface or substance. It means cling, hold fast, bond, attach, be stuck, be pasted, be glued, be fixed. It is to believe in and follow the practices of. So when we see over here in verse 7 of Revelation 21, he who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Now look at verse 8. Okay. All that goodness, but people reject all of that and end up in this list in verse eight. Jesus says, but as for the cowards, a biblical coward is coward is one who were born again, but fell away. They left Jesus bunch of cowards because what persecution sin, temptation, tests, and trials. They tasted the goodness of the Lord. Second Peter 2 uh, verse 20 in that talks about that. It would be better if you coward had never known the way of righteousness than to have known it. Because to keep it in context, he was talking about these apostate prophets who were on the right road, but because of filthy lucre, they got off the right road. And so he was saying to them, and it's applicable to us, that it would be better if you had never known the way of righteousness than to have known it. <clears throat> and then reject the command that was given to live a holy life. <clears throat> you just like the dog that goes back to the vomit, just like the washed pig that goes back to the mud. So that's a coward. And Jesus says in verse eight, but as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth. Their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. So I'm going to warn us. <clears throat> excuse me. I need something to drink. I am going to leave us with the warning as I opened up today that the day is coming 
when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Beloved, repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Do not be deceived. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. God won't be mocked. If you and I continue to sow to this nasty, stinking flesh from the flesh, we will reap eternal destruction. Do not be deceived, beloved. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. And Lord willing, glory be to God. Until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.